put a spell on you. Cause you're mine. Welcome to Hex Rated, where we four witches will take you on a magical journey through foul language and outrageous feminism. Plus a little witchy shit. Welcome to Hex Rated. I'm Lily. And I'm Jay. And it's just us today. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a smaller crew um, yeah. this time around. Scarlet is going on a, a, a vacay. So yeah. we hope she's she having can a be good here. Time. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like a doggo vacay. She's taking like her dog. Was that what she said? Mm-hmm. So oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah, nice weekend to get away because like with mm-hmm. the election results and everything, I'd be like, yeah, I'd want to escape town too. Oh my gosh, what a wild ride this has been! I have never watched my. I'm sorry, I'm sipping tea. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like you. so, I've since Tuesday been watching my phone like and checking it nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. Oh and my of god! Of course, I know. for the two hours I actually stepped away was when it changed over. And my husband came running in and was just like, it happened. And I was just like, what? How did, how was it me that missed it? I've been the one that was. So I was just like, I got, I didn't get to do though. We did it. Like I missed out on that, but. Yeah, I was, um, yeah, I know. I've been like obsessively checking like my phone and news outlets and just watching everything like uh, so much like anxiety. And mm. not saying that anything is over because there's still so much work to do. And it, by, I'm not like Biden's biggest fan or anything like that mm. or Harris's biggest fan. But this is much better than Trump. It's like another four years of Trump. So no, I'm much better. excited for a, just a new administration. Like the possibility. Oh, Betsy DeVoe is gone. Yes. <laughs> So excited for a different secretary of education. Oh, yeah. It was just a a collective sigh of relief, I felt like, around Mm -hmm. the world. Um, Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm excited for, I mean, I know we'll see how the next month and a half plays out. But, uh, um, I mean, they are, like, calling him the president-elect and vice president-elect. And the first female vice president and first black Mm -hmm. and South Asian female vice president, it's that's something that we should all be like i mean that's a lot yeah even if you don't agree like that's not who you wanted that's still historic like that's Mm -hmm. still like something to be proud of Mm -hmm. that our country was able to get done no i totally agree and like i said there's still it's not like the work is over there's still so much there's just there's still so much to do and the democratic party needs to get a lot together um they lost like seats in the house for a variety of reasons but they still have the majority but there's a lot to do and um i don't want anybody to think that we think that it's like over now oh no because it is most certainly not (laughs) like it was just more of a let's stop the bleeding but now okay like let's get to work on actually Mm -hmm. fixing things but yeah you know yes we we get to take this weekend to celebrate and now we need to keep working on the work continues yes Mm -hmm. the work definitely continues so i wrote a little 
talking with Blackbird and um, you guys, like we were talking about maybe we never got together, but we wanted to get together virtually to do like a little um, intention setting. And uh, so I wrote something for um, while the election was going on of like waiting Mm -hmm. for results. Um, I think it was before the election, before election day that we were supposed to get Mm -hmm. together and we did it, but I still wrote it and still did it. And Blackbird still wrote hers and it was beautiful. Um, but did you do any witchcraft for, um, trying to help push the, push the line? I did not. I've been so exhausted lately. Work has been terrible. We have had like multiple COVID cases at my school Oh no! and like things have been like really crazy and there's like talk in the district of um there's talk of after the thanksgiving holiday of not coming back because winter break is only like two and a half weeks after thanksgiving break so there's talk of not coming back until january but it's just been like oh super crazy stressful so i've not done any witchcraft lately but that is understandable (laughs) (laughs) but um, but i want to hear all about yours it is so (laughs) exhausting well uh I wrote um, just a piece in, well, at first, I wasn't going to do anything for Halloween Mm -hmm. at first, but because I wasn't feeling it, I think because of everything going on, I wasn't feeling it. But then I, I like got the feeling and I wrote this, this piece and I'll tell more about the Halloween part um, when we get into what we're talking about today. But um, I wrote uh, this piece. I call on my blood and bone, ancestors of past and those of home, family by love, family by name, family by heart, those that I claim. May we carry the lessons of our past to make a better future. Come and be our compass to show the way ahead. We call on ancestors of written and spoken word. May we speak out and be heard and remember the power in our words. Come and be our pen, for the truth is mighty. We call on ancestors of justice. May we fight against the oppressors and enablers, those who corrupt the system for their gain and hate. May they no longer hide behind the pretense of law, but be rooted out like weeds. Come and be our scale. Bring balance, fairness, and justice to those that need it most. We call on ancestors of science and medicine. May we seek answers through knowledge over fear. Come and be our scope. We revel in your discovery, for it moves us forward. Let us learn to heal the wounds of this world. I honor you with this tea. We honor you with our words. We honor you with our actions. We vote, we resist, we fight. Ancestors be with us this night. Ugh. But yeah. I got (laughs) chills. That was good. (laughs) And I I was sad that we didn't get to get together to uh, read all our pieces together, but, or do some intention setting together. But I think it helps, Mm -hmm. like just Blackbird, uh, like putting that out there, like reminded me where I'm like, you know what? I do want to set this down in words. Mm-hmm. Like I want to put pen to paper and really set intentions of just, and it's, there's just a relief behind it, you know, uh, the magic and just putting your, your emotions down and your mm-hmm. feelings and what you're wanting and hoping for. Yeah. And uh, I, I think like there's it's just been this like, buildup of emotions and mm-hmm. um with this election it's just been like this fever pitch so i was just like it just felt like kind of like a, re- a release to set that down oh yeah definitely well and there's a magic to um to writing and to will working in that way you know mm-hmm. so that was beautiful thank you for thank sharing thank you yeah, yeah you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, but uh, but that was like basically. I set out a few photos of family, uh, mm-hmm. and that was what I initially did. And I was like, "That's enough on Saturday." Um, and uh, I just never, I, I didn't feel the energy on Halloween night like I usually do. And then Sunday night, um, after the sun went down, it was like the air shifted and like mm-hmm. it just felt electric and things changed as soon as the sun went down. I was just like, oh, no, now. So I took all my <laughs> the time. family photos that I had and got out even more photos and then set out mm-hmm. little trinkets. And then I made tea in my, uh, the teapot my grandmother gave to me um Mm -hmm. for my wedding shower and so I made tea for them and I was just like getting everything ready and I just felt like excited like there was just this like happy energy that was happening and my husband who's not a witch or does not consider himself a witch um was in the kitchen cooking and a drawer that he had opened and had left open just shut itself and these are not like drawers that like roll back on their own. Like mm-hmm. they're ones that you have to pull out very intentionally or push in, like because it's gonna stay wherever you put it. So the fact that it, it the door, like the drawer closed, and uh-huh. my husband was did just it make like, like a Whoa. loud noise? Like, yeah, just like slammed. Yeah. Shut. Oh my gosh, and that's crazy. My husband was like someone's here who in your family would uh-huh. and I, I was like obviously that's my dad because uh-huh. my dad was one of those dads that he would uh like always go behind us and turn off the lights like if we left lights on in rooms he would just be like i'm gonna start charging you a nickel for every that's time you a, leave the lights on that's such a dad thing it I love is it. <laughs> <laughs> and so he like i was like, that's it's totally my dad and mm-hmm. um well, and so he stopped and made like a little plate of pasta for my dad and um, poured him a That's little so glass beautiful. of wine. And uh, and he got very emotional about it, which I thought was beautiful since this was kind of his first time really connecting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because I, I had to get up and go use the restroom at one point. And he was like, You're, he's about to leave. And I was like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, I, in the, I think this is the first time that I like really felt like... Like, it felt, like, so comforting. Like, a little mm-hmm. blanket was just put around my shoulders. And I was like, mm. it's okay. Like, he, he's... That's he's, so beautiful. He, he was here for to visit, and he's got other people to visit, too. It's okay. And it just... It felt felt good. So, I, it wasn't, mm-hmm. like, the sadness. So, he was, like, got really emotional. But I was just like, I feel like Your I finally... Your husband did? Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think this was the first time that... For me, it wasn't this, like, still heartbreak. I mean, I'm always going to be heartbroken, but it was the first time that I was just like, yes. Like, I just, Mm -hmm. I felt so peaceful. And, like, I finally am learning to, like, embrace those moments that that I connect with him still. Rather than looking at it as, like, oh, no, like, he's going to be gone. Like, looking at what, when I don't have him, Mm -hmm. like, that he's still there. But... Just finding that the magic in that moment was yeah. just beautiful and yeah. comforting and oh, it, I needed it so much and I didn't even realize how much I needed it, but I just, I I felt my dad's presence and oh, it was beautiful. just, it was so, so sweet and Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right words to like convey it, but it was just like mm-hmm. uh, like it was too much for words. Yeah, it was just yeah. like a dad hug, but <laughs> magic. <laughs> <laughs> dad hugs are magic. 
So they are. This is actually an excellent segue into the yeah. topic, Jay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, m- me and Jay are both part of um, the Dead Dads Club, which is the worst club to be in. And I was in my high school's poetry club. And I could tell you that the Dead Dads Club is much worse than oh, yeah. high school poetry club. Yeah. But we're both, you know, both of our dads passed away. And um, it was Jay's idea to talk about um, since uh we both have this similarity this like shared experience of losing our dads um pretty young they were young and we were young in our 20s you know mm-hmm. when our dads passed away and um to talk about how that in particular has shaped our um practice you know because working with like ancestors and working with the dead is all a little bit abstract you know, until you have experienced personal loss Mm -hmm. and then it becomes a lot more personal and a lot more visceral and a lot more vivid. And, um, there is a difference between us in that your dad passed away before you really started practicing witchcraft Mm -hmm. and my dad passed away while I was practicing witchcraft. But, um, but yeah, so we just wanted to kind of talk about that. Yeah. Talk about that tonight personal loss and ancestor work I mean it leads to that too and we've talked about ancestor work but I think that loss like there is there is something to it like it's a different part of the ancestor work of that of working with your grief and Mm -hmm. working with your healing yes Um, yeah I think that's a huge that becomes a huge part of it is the healing factor oh yes yeah 100 percent and uh I think for me like you were right. I I wasn't a witch when I lost my dad, but I think mm-hmm. that grief also was it wasn't my reason for uh, joining a coven, but it was mm-hmm. it, very comforting being mm-hmm. part of this group um, and going to rituals and it just being a safe space. Mm-hmm. Um, and not having to hear some of the things that at church and things like that people would say to you that is not comforting. Oh my God, people say, and you know, it comes, I guess, from a good place. But man, after my dad died, like all of the, he's in a better place or you know, I'm praying for you. Like, I just really wanted to punch somebody. Like, like people just like, that you kind of barely know, touching your shoulder and being like, you're in my prayers. I want to be like, fuck off. The one that <laughs> like, really got me was people saying, this was part of God's plan. Oh, And I'm God's like, my oh. father uh, getting esophageal cancer and going through chemo and radiation and multiple surgeries... I was like, no, no, don't tell me that. Mm-hmm. That is, that's no. not this the right thing to say to someone. To say. So it's dismissive one, like saying they're in a better place. Like you're trying to be comforting, but saying they're in a better place or it's all part of a plan, whether that's God's or the universe, you know, it's all part of somebody's plan. It's very dismissive of, mm-hmm. you know, the grieving person's feelings because they have suffered a horrible loss, you know, and mm-hmm whether i mean it is the it is a fact of life that everybody you know is going to die and it all is depend on who you know are they going to die before you do or are you going to die first and it's just the chaos of life as to when a person dies but that loss is so profound 
and mm. to to dismiss it as if like you should take comfort in this being one that's a shitty plan like if this is somebody's plan <laughs> fuck that person <laughs> like fuck that deity or fuck that like whatever higher power that this was their plan because that's fucking shit like mm. <laughs> but it's just so dismissive and it doesn't make space for your grief you know it do, it's not validating it, it's not making space for someone's grief and i think i mean and this is sort of a tangent but in our society and i think blackbird and scarlet have kind of touched on this when they talked about um blackbird like uh blackbird's work in um looking into being a death doula mm-hmm. but our society just it, you know western european diaspora society in the united states does not deal with death in a health what i would consider to be like a psychologically healthy way you know we're very removed from death within our society so for me my dad dying was the first profound death that i experienced which is kind of an anomaly in human history you know that the first dead body i would see wouldn't be until i was uh you know 26 or 27 and it was my dad so but I was going to ask you, do you want to talk a little bit about the, like, um, I'm trying to think of the right way to describe it, uh, how our dads passed away or talk about like, cause I, at least with me, I feel like how my dad passed away affected like my grief and everything going forward. So is that mm-hmm. something you feel comfortable talking about or is that yes. something you would rather not talk about? I think with this this episode is one of the first times opening up um but mm-hmm. especially like with you and with listeners uh you know finally reaching a point of where i spent most of my life not talking about it um cuz my father passed away in 2011 how old um, were you in 2011 oh my gosh don't make me do math <laughs> I didn't think it'd be that hard. I'm sorry. I was just trying to give the listeners an idea. I'm 34. I don't know. Do the math. (laughs) It was nine years ago. I think you were 25. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. We're just going to edit that out because I don't want the listeners (laughs) judging me that I can't do math. Or maybe we'll leave it in and they can judge me. It's fine. Not all of us are great It's fine. It's not about the judgment. Then they feel like, you know, you're more accessible. You're a real person who can't do math on (laughs) the fly. (laughs) No. My brain is like done today. Um... (laughs) But yeah, uh, 2011 is when I lost him. I was in my 20s. Um, and, uh, you know, this is really one of the first times I'm really talking about it on a uh, to listeners beyond just between me and you and my mom mm-hmm. and my husband. And I feel like I'm finally at a place where I'm okay with that. And uh, it's just losing him. It was, it made death real. Mm-hmm. It was like. I had been to funerals when I was younger because my grandmother had like 12 siblings. So we were like our family. It was like you always attended funerals and weddings like that. Everybody showed up for all the funerals and all the weddings. So Mm -hmm. to me, like they were like almost like family reunions, like the more depressing family reunions. And then weddings Mm -hmm. were like the more fun ones. And like, I know that's a weird thing to say, but that's kind of how my mother's side of the family worked. My dad's side's the opposite. They never showed up to any funerals or weddings and, and they didn't really talk about death at all. And so with my dad 
passing away, we, we just didn't think it would happen. Like it was, we mm-hmm. were not prepared, even though we, we knew he was going through cancer treatment and we thought this was his second time through surgery with esophageal cancer. And uh, they took a good part of his esophagus and his stomach and, um, and the surgeries were difficult, but my dad was this tough Marine. Like he was mm-hmm. Superman to me growing up and he was the one person I thought could be anything. And mm-hmm. he was just larger than life. And uh, this like, he's just this man that was like bigger than life because he was so funny. So like he looked so intimidating, but he was always with the, was the person to make people laugh in the room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could hear his laugh down the hall and, Uh, My dad was a practical joker. Like, he loved making people laugh and playing little silly tricks or at, like, the at work because I worked for my dad for a long time. And and it was just one of those things that you just couldn't imagine a world without that person. And Mm -hmm. so when it was Memorial Day in 2011, it was on Memorial Day. And keep in mind, my dad's a Marine, so, of course, like, my dad... Picked Memorial Day, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, he didn't pick it. Like, that's a weird way to, but this is my first time, like, saying it to everybody, so I'm working through my words. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, we went over to visit um, just just to see my dad, um, and so we were there, and uh, my dad collapsed, and his heart gave out, and... Uh, I remember just not knowing what to do and I didn't know whether to give CPR and I should have, I, for the long, for years, I wondered if I messed up because I didn't give CPR and, um, and I called 911 and the ambulance arrived and, you know, they took him to the hospital and, and it was just, that's when it became real was when they told us and we saw him one last time gone and um it was just this day that I played over and over again in my head for years and I Mm -hmm. still do sometimes but um now I'm starting to play more the memories before that of just my dancing like at my wedding with my dad and um you know, just growing up and all those things are starting to replace that, that memory that haunted me of that day. And, Mm um, but it was like this day that death became real. And before it just, you, I had lost people in the family, but it was never, it was just like this big dad sized hole that was suddenly cut out of my life. Mm -hmm. And, it just changed everything and it changed me and it's shaped me. Um, and the loss didn't stop there because we lost my dad. And then a year later, my mom's mom, my grandmother passed away a year later, um, Mm -hmm. which she lived a very long life and she was in late stages of Alzheimer's. So in a way it was like, she was finally not trapped in this body anymore. Yeah. Um, and then a year later, my aunt, my mom's sister passed away. So it was just three years of just picking my mom up off the floor yeah, and going to help my mom make funeral arrangements three years in a row. And mm-hmm. it was just, I spent the first three to five years really 
not grieving because mm-hmm. the first five years was just me having this armor on for my mom because I'm the only yeah. girl and uh you know uh me and my mom have that relationship of just that ah, that's who I am I, I show up I need to be useful that's part mm-hmm. of my personality <laughs> and I have You're to keep a moving mm-hmm. and so I think just it was just losing him so like it, he had cancer but at the mm-hmm. same time it felt sudden because we all thought he was going to like the doctor said like he's doing phenomenal he's going to recover yeah. like the cancer we got all the cancer out but yeah. it had weakened his heart so much that his heart just gave out yeah and and yeah and so it just it changed everything and it changed my perspective on death on life on uh the universe really and I honestly think it led to me being a witch because I learned that I just, I saw the world different and I saw death was real and mm-hmm. I just, it like this veil was lifted and I just, I don't know how to explain it, how, like leading to me becoming a witch, but it just, I feel like there was some part of me that knew that I had been holding on to my Christian upbringing for so long because mm-hmm. it was just easier to cling to. And I am not saying there's anything wrong if you, that's your belief system. But for me, it wasn't like, I couldn't hear it anymore. <laughs> like I was yeah. just like, I can't, I can't be told this is part of God's plan. Like yeah. I just, I can't listen to that again. So I looked for some other comfort in another way and I found like magic and witchcraft and those kind of things were like this soothing balm of like me working through my emotions through my feelings mm-hmm. yeah and it it helped and having a witch coven there for me has helped mm-hmm. as well to work through yeah. all that tell me about you about your dad oh. well first i want to say that i think it makes total sense that you would not be satisfied with the um, Christian narrative of death because the idea that it's all part of a plan, it, it kind of railroads you into being forced to like be happy that somebody's died. You know, you're like, okay, it's all part of God's plan and I have to accept that because he's omnipotent and I have to, and they're in heaven now. So I have to be happy and you don't, and you're, you're not happy, you know, Mm -hmm. even if it's a situation where a person has been suffering or maybe they had Alzheimer's and they're not even the same person anymore, you know, Mm -hmm. the idea that you should be forced to because because if you if, if that's part of your process of of being like of celebrating then then that is valid and important and that's what you should do but the idea of forcing people to be happy or um to accept death without actually going through this this grieving process mm-hmm. is psychologically damaging you know mm-hmm and emotionally damaging. So I think it makes total sense to me that knowing 
who you are, you know, and that you found witchcraft that Christianity wouldn't have satisfied that need for you. Because I don't think it would have satisfied if I had considered myself a Christian at the time of my dad's or even just like loosely um, considered myself Catholic still at the time of my dad's passing. I don't think it would have been very helpful for me personally. But um, my dad's death was similar in some ways. And we've talked about that um, to your dad's passing. So in but my dad's it was all very fast. Um in it was mother's day in may of 2016 and we were all there visiting my mom because my sister my sister was living at home but me and my she just graduated from college but my brother was up here in college and i was of course living up here and we were home for mother's day and my dad had it was said he like needed something important to talk to us about and we were all like really weirded out that we all had to sit down and he was gonna tell us something important and I asked I remember asking my mom earlier in the day and she was like I'm not gonna tell you this is your father's like thing he needs to tell you and then that was terrifying because I was like oh my god what could this possibly be but um he told us that he had um prostate cancer and that the doctors told him that if he did not have surgery that he would be dead within five years that it was aggressive. And um, the thing about prostate cancer is it's very hard to tell how bad it is until they're actually like you're in surgery and they're seeing it. So they just knew what type it was, but they didn't know like how far it had spread. And they gave him no more than five years with the type of cancer that it was. And um, which was just like, like that's just a devastating thing to hear. And I very, like I have very like profound and strong like memories of sitting down and like listening to my dad and my brother crying and my sister like crying hysterically and um and then uh so so that was very hard but then in um so that was may and then in july so the doctors were like okay we have to get this process going very very fast there's no time to wait so my dad had all of these tests done to make sure that he was okay for surgery and then in um, in July, he had surgery and uh, to remove his prostate, and it was successful. They got all of the cancer, and um, I even went home for like a week or two, and I took care of him after his surgery because my mom was still working. So my mom took off time, and um, then I came, and I took off time too, and I stayed with him um, while he was recovering because he couldn't really do a whole lot. You know, he couldn't lift things, and it was actually kind of funny because he was like, ordering me around the house and making me like (laughs) clean things for him and it was so annoying but I'm really glad that I took that time off and went and stayed with him for even though I had to watch terrible tv shows with him for like hours on end um because then he was declared cancer officially cancer free in August and then in September it was a Saturday it was September 17th and I was actually at a wedding with you, Jay. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was a wedding in the morning. And, you know, of course, because it was a wedding, I wasn't looking at my phone. You know, we were. it was just really a ceremony and then a short little, like, cake. And uh, so it was, like, around 11 or something when we were leaving. And that's when I finally looked at my phone. And we were, like, leaving the venue my husband was driving. And I realized I had all of these missed calls from my mom and my sister. And my stomach immediately dropped. And I was like, this cannot, there's, this cannot be good. And then I couldn't get a hold of anybody. And that's when I started to panic. And I finally got a hold 
of my brother and he was like do you know what's going on and i said no why is everybody calling me what's going on and he's like i have no idea what's going on and then i finally got a hold of mom and my mom was hysterical and she was on her way to the hospital and so what had happened was my dad and my sister had just my mom was getting her hair done she had kissed dad goodbye and driven to get her hair done and my dad and my sister were outside doing yard work but it was an intensive yard work dad was just like trimming bushes and stuff and um according to my sister he was standing there just talking to a neighbor and he just suddenly said i have to sit down and he sat down and then he just collapsed like she said he just fell straight backwards mm -hmm. and she immediately my sister started doing cpr and then another neighbor was like driving by and saw what was going on and stopped his car and ran out and then immediately started doing CPR as well. And they called um, the ambulance and um, my dad wasn't declared dead until they got him to the hospital. But um, what had happened for there's different reasons they think why it happened, but his blood pressure had just suddenly plummeted and he just died. And my sister said that even at the hospital, like the doctor who was working was just like so devastated. She kept asking like everybody, like the other nurses and stuff, like what else can we do? Is there anything else we can do? And till finally she had to call it that dad was, was dead. But so my sister was trying to call all of us in the ambulance because she said like when the, she said when the paramedics got there, she thought, okay, it's going to be okay. You know? So it was so, and so I got the call from my mom mm -hmm. and she was hysterical and she was like, I'm trying to get to the hospital. I don't know what's going on. Something happened with your dad. And I said, I'm sure everything's okay, mom. I'm sure it's going to be fine. You know, um, he gets to the hospital, but I had this feeling like that, that something terrible had happened and I kept trying to call. And so finally I got a hold of my sister and she was in a, she just, I said, what's going on? And she said, dad's gone. And I said, what, what do you mean? And I, I, I remember exactly where we were on the highway. And I remember like exactly how it felt because when, she, when I repeated that word, when I was like, he's gone, it was like a whale. Like I could, like, it was, I couldn't even believe it. And I don't even think like I cried at first cause it was just like such a shock. But, um, but I know my sister uh, has a lot of um, survivor's guilt because she couldn't save him. And I think that she hasn't even like, I hope she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> I hope, I don't even think that she's really like dealt with that because she tried to save him and couldn't. And they had actually gotten into a fight that morning and they were a little bit like annoyed with each other when all of this happened. And I think that that has had like kind of a profound impact on me too, where it's like, you know, don't stay annoyed at mm -hmm. people you know you don't know when somebody's just gonna drop dead in the front yard but um so it all happened it, it my dad went from being no medical problems I mean he had high blood pressure but that was like he was on medication so no like serious like life-threatening medical problems to having a uh, very serious cancer to being declared cancer free to being dead and um so and again, it was his, his, his heart, just like with, with your dad. And so that was four years ago. And yeah, grief is, is a lot. It's a mm. lot. It is. And it's not something, and I think that's the thing is some people don't understand. It's not something that just goes away. Like it's Never. not, you don't wake up and you're just 
not grieving anymore. No. Like it, people say it gets easier, but it's not really that it gets easier. It's that you just get better at managing it. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Because when you feel when it when it hurts, it is the same sort of of pain. Because I feel like the first year, definitely the first six months, but really the first year after my dad passed away, it was like a fog. Mm. Like I just didn't feel like myself and I was, I mean, maybe I was depressed, but I just didn't feel like myself and things felt like different. There was like, I don't know how to describe it. There was just like this, like gray haze, (laughs) you know, not like an actual gray haze, but just like that feeling Um, because things felt very uncertain and unreal it was like surreal because it takes a while for you to even like believe that they're gone you know it takes Mm -hmm. a while for you to stop just being like oh I'll just call dad or you know or expecting it takes a while for you to stop expecting them to Mm -hmm. be alive to like to acclimate to them being dead and so yeah for me I think that first year was just just like this sort of like a zombie sort of phase yeah but and so when it when I do feel that again it feels the same as it did at the beginning that sort of like surreal like disbelief and that same like pain it's still there yeah but in and in like and grief isn't like this straight line either like it's there's peaks and valleys to it and, you know, you'll feel like, like, oh, I've, I've accepted this or something. And then you will like fall back and to that like surreal place of disbelief again. So, and I'll go through times where, you know, where I'm just angry or times where I'm just like, like crying about it, like just like really crying, <laughs> but so have you found like ways to uh to like to talk to your dad and to like honor him like small ways like within like your daily practice or just like at home yeah I wouldn't say it's daily but I think now uh now I have like I I feel I'm better at feeling him when I feel like he's there like on the day after Halloween um November 1st Mm -hmm. um I felt him and I mean, even my husband felt him too. Or we're like, this is, this is crazy. Um, but it's not crazy. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you can feel their energy or the impression they left behind on you. You know, I think all of that is real in its own way. And yeah. I, uh, I, I have a photo of him from the Marines that I, I mm-hmm. keep and I have, um, a few little things like a knife um, of his and other things I'll put out and I'll just be there with him. Really, I don't really say that I talk to my dad. Like I sometimes just sit and meditate and just picture him holding my hand mm-hmm. um, because that was my dad. He wasn't, he wasn't big on words. Like, I mean, he was a funny guy, like he, but he wasn't big on serious. Like he wasn't like he would just, hug me or hold my hand and tell me it was going to be okay and um, but he wasn't like a like gonna talk to you for an hour about like 
you know, uh, talk you off a ledge or anything. He was more just mm-hmm. like, he would put his energy into you. Like, you just felt mm-hmm. he, like this big papa bear, like, energy when he was with you. And you really felt like you were going to be okay. And so now mm-hmm. I, I feel like when I'm having one of those moments where I need my dad, I'll set up the, fo- the photo of him and remember him at his strongest you know like it wasn't my dad like when he lost all the weight from chemo it's i picture my dad when he was just like this big huge marine like that you would be intimidated Mm -hmm. seeing him walk into a room but then when you see a smile and his sparkling blue eyes you knew he was like gonna be the kindest big hardest guy and always helping someone like he was mm-hmm. a hero outside of the Marines. Like he was always jumping to help. Like if someone's car broke down, he was going to fix it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if someone had something break at their house, he would fix it. And, um, and I just try and remember my dad by being like that too, of being ready to mm-hmm. help people when they need help of, you know, uh, if I see uh, someone break down, I help push the car, even though I know I'm just like, they're like this small like five foot girl is like helping push this car i'm like you know what i'm gonna do it this is what my dad would do and i'm gonna help you push this to the gas station and i do and those kind of things where i just i try and listen and try and hear him in Mm -hmm. my life of those moments where i can hear him tell me like this is this is what you do this is how this is how we do and Mm -hmm. just feeling that that energy of that big dad dad hug yeah of it's gonna be okay when i need him and it doesn't have to be lots of words or talking with me and him but that's that's how my dad was <laughs> yeah you know but well and i think that's a beautiful way to like honor him and to venerate him is to is to act in a way that he would have acted and that he would have been proud of you know mm-hmm. and to think because i do the same with my dad like really one of the things I realized after my dad passed away was that my dad is my, cause I've always like, he even said like, everybody's always compared me to my mom that like, I was a lot like my mom. And in, in a lot of ways I am a lot like my mom, but so after dad died, I had like this, I don't want to call it a crisis, but like I had these moments where I would be like, what of my personality? Like I can, I know that I have my dad's nose. I mean, you know, there was like things like that, but I was like, what parts of me are his? And I, realized that the biggest thing for me was that uh my dad was my moral compass because my Mm -hmm. dad and we did disagree on certain things but my dad had this very very big open heart and this very like strict moral compass of what was right and what was wrong and you did the right thing Mm -hmm. always and he was always going to do right by his family and he was always going to do right by strangers and he was always going to open the door and you know if somebody needs help you help them and if you know somebody needs money you give them money if somebody needs food you give them food and you take care of each other and you take care of your family and so I realized that yeah that 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 my moral compass is my dad And so that is one of the, so I think about that a lot when like something's going on, I'm like, okay, what would dad do in this situation? And, um, and I think that, yeah, I think that's a beautiful way for us to honor our dads really. But, um, my dad, total talker, (laughs) 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 like this, this big Italian from Brooklyn, (laughs) (laughs) 
like total talker and it's so funny because he was always like and we like joke about it all the time we're like oh no dad was really shy because he would joke he'd be like I'm, I'm really shy and introverted and we're like you are the least shy person ever you talk to everybody it's actually really annoying we can't leave places because you're talking to strangers <laughs> like everybody always loved him and he would talk about anything and he always like got real serious with us as kids and like always had like this big lesson like I remember going dad took me and my sister to watch the first Pokemon movie <clears throat> in the theater and I remember like being in the car with him and driving home and him looking at us and being like so what do you think was the moral of that movie you guys and <laughs> me and my sister being like Pokemon like what <laughs> The moral was Pokemon, dad. But him trying to like, like he always, and like he had this quote that he said and he was so proud of it that he like framed it. (laughs) And we always teased him. We were like, did you frame your own quote? And he would always quote himself and he'd be like, you know what I always say? And we're like, oh my God, (laughs) you don't get to quote yourself, dad. But like, that's the way he like, he was just like such a, he was a sweet, caring, like very sensitive guy. But um, after he passed away, we all got his quote on T-shirts, on like sweatshirts. Aww. My brother made them. <laughs> I know it's it's so silly, but um, but yeah, my dad's a total talker. So I feel like like when I say I hear my dad, I don't like hear his disembodied voice like talking to me, but I like I feel like I hear him a lot in like my gut, you know, mm-hmm. like in these gut feelings, like, oh, if I don't do something with the cars, I can hear him be like, you have to take care of the cars and me being like, I know, dad, I know, I know I didn't do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Or like, if I don't fix something like the good way, if I just do it quick, my dad's like, oh, that's not going to work because <laughs> oh, my dad yeah. could, my dad could fix anything. You know, he built anything. He fixed anything. We had a bunch of refrigerators in the garage because we lived in a pretty affluent neighborhood growing up and people would just like throw them away, like nice refrigerators and mm-hmm. get new ones. And my dad would drive around to be like, I can fix that. Those so become had, like, our garage refrigerators. refrigerators. I have one in exactly. mind that my dad gave me. <laughs> that is one of those refrigerators. Exactly. And it's yeah. in our garage. No, we've got one too. Yeah. And, um... Or like we had a hot tub when I was growing up because somebody was throwing it away and my dad was like, well, I can fix that. And so he did. So we had a hot tub. But it was just like, it just things like that. So whenever I'm like going to fix something, I'm like, okay, I'm going to channel dad right now. I'm going to do it and be dad. <laughs> but I think that, you know, and I think that too, being like, I think because I began like this work of like ancestor work and ancestor like veneration before dad passed away. And so I started like trying to like reach out to family members who I had never met who had passed away or family members who I did meet and, but I didn't really know them very well who passed away. And I think that that sort of helped set the foundation for me feeling more comfortable. Um, reaching out and working with my dad after he passed away like it like being able to like feel his presence because my mom and my sister as soon as he was gone physically he was gone for them and that was very hard for them and um my mom especially kept like searching for like it, it was very odd because my mom is this like very logical like uh, person and for her to like suddenly be like wanting to contact mediums and stuff mm-hmm. I was like who are you like this was not my mom but you know that was part of her grief and is part of her grief but um you know she just was reaching she wanted him 
in the way she remembered him. Mm -hmm. But the thing is when, you know, when somebody dies and you work with them in death, like it's as part of like your, your work as a, as a witch or what have you, you can't expect it to be the same relationship Mm -hmm. that you had in life. And you can't expect to be interacting with them in the same way you had in life. You know, that's just not, that's just not how it is. It won't feel and so that. you have to, no, it's not going to feel the same. It's going to be different and it's still, it's, it's just not going to be the same. And I recognize too that from, and you know, there's a part of me that with any part of my witchcraft recognizes that it could all very well be in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, I have no way to prove any of this. You know, this isn't science. But that doesn't invalidate my experiences, Mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't make my experiences less meaningful for me personally, at least, you know. And I think if you think about it, to me, you are calling on them because they are, you, you are like connected to your father or, you know, I am connected to my father and my grandmother and so whether or not there is actually my dad in the room or things like that. Like I am calling from a place that I know I am calling from Mm -hmm. a piece of my heart that I know that I grew up with, that I feel. And that is real. Mm -hmm. Like, no, totally. That part is real. So I believe in working with that, like that you can work with that energy. Like, you know, it, you know, that, that is still valid of calling on those mm-hmm. pieces of them within you. Well, and if nothing, like if nothing else, like, so my dad was my biological dad. And um, so this is uh, speaking from a place of like, of you know, like having biological parents who raised you. Um, you know, I know no matter what 50% of what makes up me is my dad, you know, and so I, I know that, you know, I have his nose and I have his like, you know, I have his genetics and I have his DNA and what makes me physically is 50% him. So I sometimes I think about it in that way that like I am talking to the parts of him that exist within me at a very like, at like the cellular level almost. And um not that I'm saying that you can't have that relationship, you know, with somebody who's passed away who you weren't like a biological relative of, but that's sort of some, is sometimes the way I kind of think about it with my dad is that, you know, if nothing else, he, he's in me in this like very real, tangible, physical way. And I can work with that and I can communicate with that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and so right after, uh, dad died as part of like my grieving process as I immediately started working on a shrine for him. Mm. And, um, which is not something I think I would have done if I didn't already, if I hadn't already started on like my witchcraft journey and my ancestor work, uh, journey. But yeah, I, I have this like old, it's like a antique clock case, but the clock is gone. So it's just Mm. like this really cool little like wooden cabinet, but I bought that and, um, I immediately started, like I, I have like a, a candle, two candles in it and I have pictures of my dad and I have dried roses from his funeral and his vigil and I, it's hanging on the wall and, um, all around it is like pictures of dad and framed pictures of dad. And, um, 
so like that has sort of become and I don't think my dad like like lives in there or anything but it's kind of become this like this physical point within the house of me to go to and like talk to him and um to like leave like little offerings or like a glass of mead uh, because my dad made meads and I still have some of his They're very good um mm. for me to like leave meads for him or um you know just go and talk to him or light a candle and um and I I like having that there too because I the girls my daughters know what he looks like because I have all the photos and I talk about him all the time and I call him papa and um so so they know who he is yeah and so they know who he is and they know his face and that's really important to me is for them to because they're they're gonna miss out on having they're gonna miss out on having that relationship with him and for them to know who he is and to have stories of him and to see his face and feel like connected to him in some way is like really important to me and i do like i have this like ritual of periodically taking the shrine down and taking everything out and i clean it and like I, um, clean like the wood and stuff and I wash the everything and, um, and I dust it and then I hang it back up and I put everything back inside of it. And that feels to me too, like being a way to like honor him. I I have a lot of like regrets, not like really strong regrets that like I, I, that weigh on me, but just like of sort of wishing I had been in a different place because I didn't really interact with my dad's body very much. Like, so we decided to honor dad in the way that he would have expected to be honored, which was with a full Catholic getup because my dad was Italian Catholic. And, um, so we did the full thing for him. So we had a, uh, vigil and viewing the, and we had like a full Catholic mass. Um, but we did cremate him, which is not like, kosher within catholicism but um, we did cremate him and we didn't bury him uh so at his vigil it was open casket uh, as is it's traditional for it to be open casket so it was open casket and i i did not get very close to his body during that and the bit i did see of his face like i'm glad that i did go up as far as i did to see him because i think that that helps like in your grief, I think it helps solidify, like when you see their body, I think it helps solidify that death for you. But, um, I wish that I had been in a place where I could have. And so I think about this more with my mom when she's going to eventually pass away. I wish that I could have like bathed his body and interacted with his body more in like sort of like a, a ritualistic way. And so I do have some, not not strong regrets but like I wish I could have done this but I'm not gonna let it weigh on me but I'm just gonna think about it for unfortunately for next time you know and so taking down dad's shrine and interacting with it and cleaning it kind of makes me feel like part of that part of that yeah yeah if that makes sense yeah so yeah well I think that's beautiful I think it is a hard thing knowing what she would do because you don't plan i mean our society is not great at our western ways are not great at uh 
planning for that, of being, um, making a ritual of death instead. It's mm-hmm. like we, you know, I, I don't know how to say it, but it's just like we want to pretend like that it's never going to come rather than plan Oh, we ignore it. It's it's kept far away from us, mm-hmm. you know. Like the it's it's definitely death within our society is a taboo. You know, you don't really talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, when somebody's grieving because somebody has died, you try to get them, just make them happy again, mm-hmm. and like, oh, don't think about it. He's in a better place now, or whatever. So, yeah. But I was going to ask you. So now that you have experienced, since having experienced this and had. Ha- having it shift like your view have you thought more about your own Mm. like what how you would want to be honored if you died yeah and it's it's shifted you know um it's something me and my husband talk about because uh what he wants for me and what I want for me aren't quite the same and Oh, I think okay. I'm trying to find peace with that, too, because mm-hmm. you talking about, you know, the ritual for your, you would have liked to do for your father. Like, my father did not want, we did not do open casket. He did not want people to see his body because he didn't want people to remember him. They want, He wanted them to remember him at his healthiest, his, like, being larger than life, not after he had lost, like, a hundred pounds from chemo, mm-hmm. all of his muscle, this big Marine. And he didn't want people to see that and remember him that, and that to be yeah. the last way that they see him. So instead we had a, a photo of him and had his um, ashes and they did, they brought the Marines out and did the whole flag thing, gave the flag to my brother. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, that was super emotional, but I'm really glad that he got to have a Marine send off because um, I know that's what he would have wanted. Um, yeah. But that has made me also realize of like what the living want versus what the dead want. Um, mm-hmm. Of finding the peace in that. And I've been working on that with yeah. with my husband of like, because he would like, he's talked about um, the natural burials. There's a place in Texas mm-hmm. um, that is like a natural burial, burial place that you can hike out to. And there's these graves and natural graves and that he thinks it would be beautiful to wrap me in a, like wash me and walk, like carry me out to the woods and be the last to mm-hmm. like that. The, like he wanted to be the last to tend to me like that. Yeah. Um, rather oh, than have beautiful. a stranger tend to me, you know? Yeah. And uh, he didn't like the thought of my last, the last person being with me, not being him, you know, like, yeah. And I thought that was beautiful, even though I was like, I don't know. I've always, assumed I would be cremated like I just mm-hmm. don't want to take up space um and so I I haven't really figured that out yet but it has made it a lot more real of like this is something I need to figure out because mm-hmm. I don't want to leave someone shocked with that and um, yeah and well, even and I, that you and your husband are talking about it is so important. Like people just never talk about it. Yeah. And it's important to know, you know, what those around you want and what they, what their wants and expectations are, you mm-hmm. know, should the inevitable happen. Oh, yeah. So, and, and it's a tough conversation to have, but. 
And I think it's just, you know, I think he would, and he's mentioned too that he would um, understand if like, like my witch sisters wanted to have a special ritual just for me or something like that, that he would make sure that that happened. But like, you know, mm-hmm. and that's something that's shifted, you know, like, you know, growing up, it was always these big funerals and, mm-hmm. um, and looking at how my view of that has changed too with my religion not being the same it once was of like I don't know I I think it's something I definitely want to think about of like how as a witch would I want to be mm-hmm. yeah would leave this world but um, mm-hmm. I mean y'all write beautiful words so I I would trust y'all <laughs> I would to have something beautiful to in say. my grief I would write you the most beautiful words don't die anytime soon but just know that i would write you the most beautiful words i would it were to happen speak to you like a goddess because you are (laughs) oh girl you're so sweet to you do you think how you work with death as a witch has changed like your view of the underworld like is there a connection to it of like how you view it after that loss like how it affects that Oh, I definitely think that my practice changed after dad died and my view of, because like I said, you know, death was very abstract before dad died, you know, almost, almost like cool and edgy and goth, you know, um, and like working with the dead and saying things like that, um, like saying, oh, I work with my ancestors and I work with the dead. Oh, how, what a, like a cool edgy goth thing to say. But then after dad died and I had to develop, you know, I had to move forward in my practice as a witch with that grief and that anger because I was so angry Mm -hmm. that dad died. There's so much anger because, because life is chaotic and death is chaotic. And if you could zoom out and view all of human history in its entirety and be able to understand that, you would be able to know when everybody is going to die because you could see events stacking on top of each other but I can't do that and I because I'm a little human so life is is chaotic and death is chaotic and people die every day for no reason and that is terrifying you know Mm -hmm. it's terrifying to think that people die every day for no reason and there's there's nothing you can I mean there's things you can do to prevent uh death um up into a point you know mm-hmm. eventually eventually everybody's gonna die and that's just how it is and coming to terms with that and having to work with death as not just like this having to work with death is not just this abstract figure who has like taken people but as this like real force that took from me um was very hard at first and um but ultimately I think strengthened my like having to go obviously I would rather dad have not not have died but having to go through that process and that grief uh, that I'm still going through um definitely uh definitely strengthened like my practice in a lot of ways and um 
I think I kind of just, I kind of lost my train of thought there for a second, but, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, it definitely strengthened it. I don't know. Like, cause so I don't think of like the underworld, like I've been thinking about the underworld more lately because we were doing that dark goddess work, but I don't really think of the, the underworld as a place where like the dead reside. And, um, I'm not quite sure like why that is. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I've kind of lost my train of thought. Take it away, Jay. <laughs> well, I get that because I don't really view things as like, I mean, cause in a way underworld and heaven and hell, like those kind of views of like where the energy goes, like that is all. Yeah. I don't see death as a place. I, yeah. You know, I don't see the dead as going somewhere. I don't see them as staying here. I don't think that the dead like linger in that way Mm -hmm. you know um and so when i think of like going like beyond the veil it's 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 a lot more like uh ambiguous and broad and not so like small and confined and easily recognized and like easily named Mm -hmm. as the underworld you know yeah so yeah, so I don't really think about the... So when I think of the underworld, I don't think of it as necessarily being like an actual place where dead people go, yeah. <laughs> you know, because that, that is more like concrete and final than, than the way that I perceive, you know, than the way that I perceive death. Yeah, same. I, mm-hmm. I see it as like that energy still exists, but just in a different mm-hmm. way. Like it's not like mm-hmm. it's like there's little ghosts running around or um (laughs) that's what like this is a bit of a tangent me like those like that like the long island medium and stuff those people piss me off like the cold reading the cold reading like the long island medium and like cold reading and stuff Mm. like houdini debunked that y'all why are we still i don't know i'm not (laughs) trying to say that you can't talk to the dead i'm just saying that if somebody's asking you for money in a cold reading sort of setting they're probably full of shit and so. taking advantage of people's grief and taking that's it's predatory mm-hmm. it is predatory and it, that is what and that's a whole tangent i will not go off on <laughs> like, <laughs> when people are grieving they are in their most emotionally vulnerable state and to take to, and to try to take advantage of that for monetary purposes is disgusting and you're a terrible fucking person <laughs> so go fuck yourself i hope you choke on your own spit and die yep there you go so <laughs> i'm <just> snaps <laughs> thank you for snapping <laughs> but oh. uh but yeah wow. well thank you for sharing well, with me do you have any other thank thoughts, you for sharing questions? with me oh i've got thoughts but no i think that this was a good talk yeah and i i think the reason we wanted to share it with um you guys our listeners was just you know um if you are grieving you're not alone in these feelings it's not like we said it's not something that ever goes away and working it into your magic it can evolve like mine's evolved over time it wasn't something that Mm -hmm. was easy straight away and I think for a while I was kind of not doing it because I was still slightly in denial um Mm -hmm. for a while and I was also scared to try 
because I wasn't open that up. It's easier to like try to put a band aid mm-hmm. than to open that wound and let it heal, you know. Mm-hmm. So and then, but like I said, with the this last last weekend, it was it was good. And I'm not saying it's always going to be mm-hmm. good, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's something to work with, and you know, find what works for you and. For me, it was just finding the way that I do connect with that energy of that feeling. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just you calling on a memory, you know, the memory yeah. of their hug or um, them holding your hand or just smiling at you or anything like that. And for me, it just it gives me a lot of like peace to just say my dad's name and to talk about him makes me so happy and like because I think that's another thing I think that people think people who haven't been through like like a grief like that they think that if you're gonna get sad if you start talking about that person and the thing is that's and then they get uncomfortable but the thing is like talking about at least for me talking about my dad is and like talking about those like fun good memories you know, and saying his name is like so important and Mm -hmm. it brings, and it makes me happy. It brings me joy. It makes me feel good to talk about him, you know? Yeah. So. And because you don't want them to be forgotten, you know, there's magic in not letting them be forgotten. And telling stories, that's how we honor and that's how we venerate, you know? Um, That's keeping them alive in that way. Like I want my daughters who never met my dad to be able to tell the same ridiculous stories that we tell (laughs) we're like remember when dad did blah 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 i want them to be like well mom do you remember when papa did blah 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 and i'm like you're not even you weren't even there (laughs) (laughs) but i want them to have those because that's what my dad did with his family i have so many like i feel like i was able to connect with my even though i grew up more with my mom's side of the family because i grew up on the west coast and my dad's family was all on the east coast I feel like, or they had already passed away, I feel like it was so easy to reach out and connect to my uh, ancestors on my dad's side because he are, he had already laid that groundwork of introducing me to them, of telling stories and of saying their names, you know, and, and establishing like a relationship, like for me, you know, with them. So I do think that that's very important to talk mm-hmm. about the dead. And to to say their names and to honor them, you know, because you don't have to like, you don't have to do something fancy, you know, you don't have to like make some sort of like beautiful spell or like say beautiful words or like do these intricate things or even like, I don't know, you just, you can just tell a story Mm -hmm. and um, laugh and say their name and that's all you have to do. Yeah. You know? And you can do that every day. Yeah. So find those little little things that help you connect. Mm-hmm. Set out a photo. For me, it's pouring a cup of tea. My grandmother loved tea. And it's just finding those those ways of keeping them alive and connecting and taking mm-hmm. care of yourself in the process. Take care of yourself. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. But uh, thank y'all, all you listeners, for being here with us. Yes. And uh, you should definitely reach out to us if uh, if you want to talk. If you want to tell your story of grief We're here. and death, we're here to listen to you. 
<laughs> you can email us at hexratedpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram, hexrated uh, podcast on Instagram. I think we're hexrated podcast. No, I can't remember if we're hexrated witches or hexrated podcast. I think on Instagram, we're hexrated witches. <laughs> and then on Facebook, we're hexrated podcast. And you could join the Uncoven, uh, our Facebook group. You can uh, subscribe to our newsletter. It goes out on the 13th of every month. You can... Is there anything else you can do? We have a website. <laughs> Xratedpodcast.com. There's so many ways to reach out and touch us. You should definitely subscribe to our podcast and uh, review it as well. Like, leave us a little, like, review and like us and do all that kind of stuff. Just do it. Just do that. Yes. So, yeah. And, um... Yeah. So, hocus, hocus pocus, pocus bitches. bitches.